as I read through um, the words um, on that little video, I watched it earlier this week, and I thought they were talking about Jesus, who gave his life, who gave a voice to the voiceless and hope to the hopeless. And of course, we know that we remember on this Memorial Day weekend, those who have given all for our freedoms. But even more so, we remember on a Sunday morning, the freedoms, the hope we have in the person of Jesus Christ. It is his kingdom that his followers uh, belong to. It's a special day that we remember um, those who have given their lives for this country. And we honor them and we pray for their families who um, suffered uh, that loss. Um, so it is, a, it is a, a special day. And there are lots of special days in our lives, our birthdays, our anniversaries, um, the birth of our, our children, lots of special days that we can remember and that we can rejoice in. Um, there is a special day on this Memorial Day weekend when I think of the United States, a special day uh, to me. And it was July 18th, 2018. And on July 18th, 2018, I watched my son-in-law become a U.S. citizen. You know, we sat in a room with a thousand or more people from um, a multitude of nations who came here and decided to make America their home. And uh, we listened to speeches, and they had people from each of those nations. They recognized nation after nation after nation, and she, they would um, have them uh, stand, and they honored them. But that was a day that my son-in-law, who was sitting next to me, stood up and said, uh, I want to be an American citizen. I want to make this my country. Uh, he did you have to go through a lot. In fact, I'm kind of really blessed in a number of ways that I was born in America because I know I couldn't have passed the civics test that they have to take. I, I would venture to say that if they gave that U.S. citizenship test to most of us in this room, we might not pass it. The things that you have to know, you have to fill out that test, and then you have to have an interview uh, about that test and about your uh, desire to be a citizen of the United States. And then at the gathering of those people, they had them stand and you um, declare an oath and allegiance. And um, again, growing up in America, being born here, I never had to take this oath. Um, some of us may have had to, but I never did. But it, it struck me just, um, the high calling that we are called to as U.S. citizens. Um, this is the oath that my son-in-law, DDA, uh, repeated with hundreds of others. He said, I hereby on oath, I declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, State or sovereignty of whom I which excuse me of whom or which I have heretofore been subject as a citizen. 
that I will support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on the behalf of the United States when required by law, that I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by law, that I will perform work of national importance under the civilian direction when, I, when required by the law. And I take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me, God. And so my son um, put aside his allegiance to his home country of Burkina Faso in West Africa, and he stood to become a citizen of the United States. He is part of the United States with all of its uh, rights and privileges and responsibilities. And so we can say, as we've said today, that um, we are thankful we live in such a great country, a country that uh, is free, a country where we can move around and experience the fullness of life. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we give allegiance, if I can put it that way, to a greater kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven, which the scriptures talk about. As followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples, we uh, give all honor and glory to our God. All the kingdoms of the earth will fade away, including the United States. But the kingdom of God will last forever. And it's to that we are called. And it's a high calling. If I thought DDA was uh, making a response to a high calling, even more so for the followers of Jesus Christ. And as we read through uh, Matthew's gospel, when we come to this portion that we call the Sermon on the Mount, we see what the requirements of being a citizen of heaven is all about. So I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 21. I'm going to read um, through verse 48, and then go back and make a couple of comments. But my desire today is that the word of God would speak to your heart. Because what we read here is really about the relationships that we have one with another. How we are to relate to one another. It's what Jesus sets before us. So starting in verse 21. And you have heard it said to those of, from those of old that you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. 
Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members of the body of your body than your whole body going to hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Any more than that comes from the evil, comes from evil. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the left also. And if anyone would sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what rewards do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's the tough one. Verse 48. You shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That sets the bar pretty high. We may look and say of ourselves, um, there's no way I can be perfect because only God is perfect. But the strength of this passage here is the word that is used can mean perfect, but it is often used um, to represent maturity. 
And you know, as being one who has grown up, you are to become more mature. And just because you've reached a certain age doesn't mean you've reached full maturity. I've met some very childish people who are in their 80s. They haven't reached maturity yet. And I've met some young men and women just finishing high school or college that seem incredibly mature. So what it's really calling us to do is to be like God, to work in that direction. We were created as, in, as the image of God or in the image of God. It's that which we move toward. The Apostle Paul says, be, um, be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what we are predestined to be, conformed to his image. That's what we are working toward. Now we read all of these things, verses 21 through 48, and what we realize one of the things that we realize is that Jesus says a lot without saying a lot. There are about uh, 630 words in this section, depending on your translation. It takes less than five minutes to read through it. It's all on one page, two columns in, in my Bible. There is not a lot there, but then there is a whole lot there. And we read through this, and we all find reasons of excuse. Our response in reading Jesus' words here and hearing Jesus' words often elicit from us a response like, yeah, but... I hear you, Lord. Yeah, but. You know, God, um, this stuff that's written here that Matthew records for us, that was for then and this is now. Our culture is different than the culture of Jesus' day, so this doesn't apply to us. Then we respond, well, what about grace? Where does grace come in? There's a lot of law here. It's interesting to note that Jesus is not looking for a discussion or a debate. He doesn't ask his listeners, what do you think? What's your response? Jesus just ask for one thing as you hear his word. Obedience. These words are incredibly tough. And I know that as I read through them, some of them uh, hit you hard based upon the things that you have experienced or the things that you are experiencing now. But Jesus says that this is what the person of the kingdom lives like. This is uh, what we are to do and, and be like as those who would follow Jesus. As we read through all of these things, um, 
it's not my point here to be, uh, to talk about the intricacies of what Jesus says or even the implications of what Jesus says. I just want Jesus' words to suffice. And each one of us will have something to dig into, to devour, or even to be possibly repulsed by, but that does not make it any less the words of Jesus to his followers, to people of the kingdom. Each one of these things, anger, lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation or loving your enemies, each one of these things stem from a heart of selfishness. When we want things our way to make our way easier, each one of these things has an incredibly difficult uh, task for us to do. But we respond this way because we are selfish individuals. But don't feel bad about that. I mean, we only learn from some of the best, like Adam and Eve. They were incredibly selfish people. They looked at the fruit of the tree and they said, I want that. I don't care what God said, I want that. I want to be wise, I want to be like God. I'm not worried about love and obedience here, I'm worried about self. But each one of these things comes from a heart of selfishness. And it affects different places of our life. When we talk about anger, Jesus says to us that anger with one another, and notice it does say, uh, it uses the terms brothers back and forth, but I think it is applicable to sisters as well. But if we are angry with a brother or sister, it hinders our worship. It stops us up short. Jesus says, go, get it right before you come and worship. Dealing with lust dishonors God and dishonors his creation and his image that has been put into people. It's selfish. We're thinking only of ourselves. It comes to divorce. Divorce, um, and this is a tough one for us today, for so many of us. But for Jesus, the issue of divorce here is that it breaks God's design. Genesis chapter 2, we read about the man and woman being brought together. They were of one flesh. And they represented together, they reflected together the image of God. And so when divorce enters into our lives, whether it is um, a divorce that, that has to happen, or even if it's a divorce for uh, ease sake, It breaks God's design. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 and following talks about that our marriages are to reflect God's relationship with his people and his people's relationship with God. That's the design for marriage. 
Marriage is ultimately not about you. It's not about your spouse. It's about God. He deals with the area of oaths. The, the problem with oaths here is that they often cover deception. Jesus said, why can't your yes be yes and your no be no? And you've been truthful in that. You have nothing to hide. I remember once that someone said, um, always tell the truth and you can have a short memory. Have you ever been one of those places that um, you didn't quite tell the truth? And then you met another person and you don't remember what the story was that you told the first time because you want to get the story right the second time. It's much easier if you just say yes or no. And know when you said yes or no and told the truth that it will be the same whoever you're talking to. Retaliation, getting back at another person, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hinders mercy giving. The mercy that Christ desires us to have, it hinders forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that has happened to us and because of that must happen out of us. And then he finishes by saying that we are to love our enemies, for in loving our enemies, we express the very character of God who loved us while we were still sinners, enemies. And when we hate our enemies, we stifle grace. So what is the proper response to these verses, these words of Jesus? I think the proper response is that each one of these are answered by love. If we love our brothers and sisters, it's harder to be angry at them. If we are lustful and yet we look at each other with a sense of love and honor, love, 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 love again. It's the answer to each one of these. And remember that love is the very character of God. John writes in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. In Exodus chapter 34, God says his, his, he gives his name to uh, Moses as he writes the Ten Commandments. And he says, I am the I am, the I am, I am compassionate. I have steadfast love. Love marks God. It's the mark of a disciple. Jesus in John chapter 13 tells his disciples, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. So prove to be my disciples. And it's the design of our lives when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we put on these things to love. And at the end of chapter 13, um, Paul reminds that there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. If we are loving God and loving others, we must live in light of Christ's words in his direction.
So here's your homework. I'd like you to do a heart check this week. Check it against God's word here. Ask the question, how is my heart relating to these things? What is the issue of my heart? What do I need to confess? What do I need to turn from? Do a heart check. And second of all, pray for strength to move toward maturity. Don't just write it off and say, well, God's really perfect, God's really mature, and I'm never going to get there. Jesus doesn't tell us to do something that is impossible. Jesus, again, was not just making a suggestion. He was saying, be perfect, be mature, as your heavenly Father is perfect and mature. And where there is a problem where you are not dealing well in these things, and we probably all have something, work to remedy the problem. If you need to get together with a brother or sister that you have not seen eye to eye on, that you had harbored anger against, I suggest that you go and work things out. If you're having a problem with lust, then I think you need to um, seek the help you need, and which starts in prayer, but we seek the help we need to combat those sins in our lives. And in each one of these sections that we would take a hard look at it, and where things need to change, or forgiveness needs to be offered, and forgiveness needs to be asked for, that we do it. It's a lot of work, but as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, it's what we are called to. My son-in-law, Didier, promised on that July 18th that um, he would give himself up for the sake of this country. Should this country call on him, he would respond. That's the promise he made. It could be very difficult. But the promise is even greater, the call is even greater for us as followers of Jesus. So let's follow well. Would you pray with me? We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.